I love the message of grace. I love the message of the gospel that says that I can never earn my way to God. And that's why Jesus came to us. Amen. To do what we could never do for ourselves. Well, Galatians is an epistle or a letter written to the Christians by the Apostle Paul in Southern Asia Minor. And Paul, as many of you know, was a church planner, wasn't he? And he went around and he established churches and he shared the gospel. And Paul went to this Roman province called Galatia and he acquired many new converts. He shared the gospel and many believed upon the name of the Lord and were gloriously saved. And Paul began to disciple them and he established churches in that area. And then he left as he often did and would go to plant more churches in other areas. And not... Long after leaving, Paul got word that some false teachers had come in behind him in Galatia. And they were teaching the Galatians that faith in Christ was not enough to be saved. That they still had to perform and adhere to the Old Testament law, especially circumcision and really the whole law of the Old Testament. And this was putting them back in bondage. And Paul was furious that they were subscribing to this. That they were falling away from the truth of the real gospel. Because grace is a beautiful message, isn't it? And who who in their right mind would want to go back to the law? To where we're always in bondage. We always feel like we don't measure up. See, Paul is grateful for grace. Because he knows what it is to live under the law. And there's no comparison as to what it means to live under grace. And so I I love when we sing songs like this about God's glorious grace. And I hope you don't take it lightly. Because the grace of God is free for us. But it, it did not come cheap. The manifestation of that grace came through the death and the burial and the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the gospel that we believe, this is what Galatians is about. See, the gospel is not just a set of beliefs. It is that. It's wonderfully that. But it's more than that. The gospel changes us from the inside out. It is a way of life. And so grace is not just something I believe, but it's something I walk in day in and day out. And Galatians calls us, and the Bible calls us to walk in step with the gospel that we preach and believe. See, it's a way of life. We're called to walk in line with the gospel. And a few weeks ago, we looked at verses 11 through 14 in Galatians chapter 2. And and we see in those verses for a moment in Peter's life, the apostle Peter... We see for a moment his life did not line up with the gospel. And here's what happened. Peter allowed some of these false teachers and Jewish traditionalists to influence him. He was scared to death of what they thought. And so he allowed prejudice to take over. And Peter separated himself from the Gentiles or or what we would call the non-Jews because they did not adhere to the Old Testament law. And though Peter had been freed from that way of thinking, he knew that the Gentiles were accepted in Christ just like the Jews. 
He believed it, but for a moment, he began to succumb to outward social and cultural pressures. And he fell short of walking in line with the gospel. And so Paul confronts him on this matter. And when we see each other walking out of line with the gospel, and it will happen from time to time, we need to be willing and bold enough to confront each other. And so that's where we're at in the book of Galatians. That's what's going on. So I want to invite you to stand one more time. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 15. Paul is still reminiscing of his discussion here with the Apostle Peter. And here's what he says. Galatians chapter 2 verse 15. We ourselves, talking about he and Peter, are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one, no matter how good you think you are, no one will be justified. Now watch what he says, verse 17. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. And I've been crucified with Christ. This is the verse I want us to focus on. I have been crucified, Paul says, with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Let's pray. Father, we humbly come before You. And Lord, we so want to have this testimony of Paul that we've been crucified with Christ and that we don't live by our own standards, our own wills, our, our own desires. But Lord, our life is hidden with You. And I believe, Lord, strongly this is one of the keys to a victorious Christian life. Is to live a crucified life. And so help us today to feel the importance of this. To understand it, to adhere to it, to long for it, and to practice it. In our daily lives. Help me to rightly divide your word of truth. I pray in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. So through this story. Of Peter and this. His temporary. Separation from the Gentiles. He kind of showed some prejudice. There. We saw a few weeks ago. That prejudice of any kind. Is out of step with the gospel. And that's what was happening in Peter's life. And in our text today, I see three more implications of what it means to walk in step with the gospel. And I want to say this one more time, that the gospel is not just something we believe, but it's something we walk in. Alright, whatever you believe, it ought to influence your life. 
So yes, this starts as an act of faith. We believe and we continue to, to believe the truths of the gospel. But ultimately, those, those truths change us and they shape our everyday lives in very practical ways. Amen? So I want you to remember, the gospel is not just a belief, but it's a way of life. So here's the first implication of what it means to walk in step with the gospel. Number one, walking in step with the gospel means to live by our convictions in spite of what other people think. If I'm going to walk in step with the gospel, I have to get over what other people feel and think about me. Alright, verse 15, I just want to break this down. Paul says this, he says, We ourselves are Jews by birth, talking about he and Peter, and we're not Gentile sinners. Now, sinners here is used in a very limited sense. Paul does not mean that Jewish people have not sinned. For what does the Bible say? We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, the the, the reason some people don't think they need a Savior is because they don't think they're sinners. If if you're going to see your need for a Savior, you've got to see that you indeed are a sinner. So sinners here, Paul is talking about Gentiles. He's going back to kind of the Old Testament way of thinking. These are Gentiles who would be considered unclean. These are men and women who don't know the law, don't have the law, don't seek to live by the law. So he says, we ourselves are Jews and we're not those Gentiles who don't know the law. But watch what he says in verse 16. Yet, we know that a person is not justified. Now, justified means to be counted as righteous. It it means to have right standing with God. So he says, we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed. He said, Peter, listen, you and I have believed this same thing. We believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Paul's point. Peter, he says, our salvation comes through faith in Jesus just like the Gentiles. So why are you going to act like you're better than them? Just because some Jewish traditionalists come around you and think you ought to eat kosher, you still ought to stay away from bacon. You shouldn't eat with the Gentiles. If if you think that, or if they think that, listen, we don't believe this. We're no better than those Gentiles. Don't let yourself succumb to peer pressure. This is not in step with the gospel. Peter, you can't care what people think. See, Peter was free not to be bound by Jewish restrictive dietary laws. And he was free to eat with Gentiles. And he knew this. Peter knew this. Uh, Paul Paul makes it clear. Listen, we're on the same page in our beliefs. But Peter, your life's not in step with the gospel. Let me ask you this. Who cares what people think of you if you're getting the applause of God? If God is smiling upon you, let people think what they will think. In verse 17, here's what Paul says. Here's his argument. He says, if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. Here's what he's saying. Peter, 
I understand if you eat with these Gentiles, you're going to be condemned as a sinner by these Jewish traditionalists. They're going to call you a sinner. Does that make Christ an agent of sin? No. Why? Because it's not a sin to eat with Gentiles. And listen, when we go back to the prejudice argument, you know, you, you may receive dirty looks and you may re- receive some, some harsh words from people who don't understand why you eat with people who don't look like you. Why you worship with people who don't look like you. And I would say to you, who cares what people think? You're not better than them. They're not better than you. We all get to heaven the same way by grace through faith in Christ. And so we've got to get over what people think. Listen, I remember when I was in in another state and I was uh, on a pastoral staff. And I had a, a pastor who wanted us to treat people he didn't like in really ungodly ways. And he, he asked us, he, he, would, he, he wanted us to, to talk about them, to, to bring any, kind of be spies and bring him information. And, and he didn't want us to be kind to them. He didn't want us to use them in ministry. He didn't want us to minister to them. We, we had to keep our distance. And I was so concerned for two years what this pastor thought of me that I treated some very awesome people in very ungodly ways. And I've since called many of them and apologized. And, and, and listen, I made a decision when I left that place. I said, I don't care what preacher. I don't care what group of people. I don't care what family member t- tries to tell me what to do. If it is not in line with the Word of God, if it is not in line with the Gospel, I don't care. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Guys, we've got to get over what people think about us. And you can feel this. I mean, you can put yourself in this situation. Peter was fine. He was eating with Gentiles. He was, he, he was enjoying his bacon and, and his pork tenderloin. Come on, somebody. And uh, he, he was enjoying all of that. But listen, all of a sudden, these people that would judge him showed up. And even though Peter wasn't in sin, he cared more what those people thought about him. And he shunned the Gentiles. And he ate with, quote, unquote, his people. And Paul rebukes him for this. And so, if you and I are going to walk in step with the gospel, we've got to get over what people think about us. We've got to care more about what God thinks about us. Let me talk to the fathers for a moment. Happy Father's Day to each of you, by the way. And You want to teach your kids something? Teach them to care more about what God thinks than what man thinks. Teach them to, 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 to want to gain the, the smile of God and not the smile and not the applause of man. You can't have it both ways. Paul makes that clear earlier in Galatians. You can choose to serve man and get their applause or you can choose to serve God. And for me, I, I, I want the applause of God much more than I want the applause of man. So walking in step with the gospel means to live out our convictions in spite of what other people think. Secondly... There's another implication found here, and that is walking a step with the gospel means dying daily. All right, now this is a really encouraging Father's Day message, isn't it? Dad, you want to be a good father? Die daily. Right? This is not the way to go grow a church, to preach a message like this, but I'll tell you, it's the way to grow you. We've got to die daily, and obviously, just in case somebody's new to church, 
uh, we don't want you to take this literally. We don't mean this is not a physical death. But there are some things in our lives, friends, that have to be put to death if we're ever going to walk in step with the gospel. I want to mention verses 18 and 19 quickly, and then I want to spend some time on verse 20. In verse 18, Paul says, If I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. He's talking about going back to the law. For Paul to attempt to go back to that Old Testament law to gain his right standing with God, this would not make him holier. It would actually prove him to be a sinner because none of us can keep the law. None of us can perfectly earn God's favor. Here's what the law does. It reveals our wickedness and God's holiness. It reveals our need for a Savior. That's the point of the law. To show us that we need a Savior. And then in verse 19 he says, For through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. So Paul no longer tries to gain acceptance with God by keeping these Old Testament commands. Thus in this sense he has died to the law. He has died to his past and he has no desire to go back. And I hope that's your story as well. That you have no desire to go back to where, uh, you know, from where he's brought you from. I, I don't want to go back to my old life. I don't want to go back to my old self. I don't want to go back to my rebellious days. I want to stay walking in step with the gospel. But, but here's what's interesting. Even the apostles at times felt this tendency... To step out of line with the gospel. They felt this pressure. And they would stumble from time to time. And and their lives would not line up with the gospel. Even the apostles. And we we talked about a few weeks ago where where Paul was saying, you know, I do what I don't want to do. And I don't do what I want to do. How many have been there? And so we see this happening right now in Peter's life. This great apostle. This man of God, this man of faith, in prejudice has crept up in his life and his life does not for a moment line up with the gospel. And I hope that's you, that you don't want to go to that place. I hope you want your life to line up with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So how is it then? How is it that we stay in step with the real gospel? Well, Paul tells us in verse 20. Look at verse 20. He writes this. I've been crucified with Christ. Just let that sink in. This ought to be a life verse for us. For every human being. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Alright, listen to me. Living the crucified life, what we'll call the crucified life, is one of the most important principles to victorious Christian living. If you are a miserable person and you are a Christian, normally this is where you can things can be traced back to. You're not living, walking in the crucified life. You're trying to do things your way. You're wanting to go your path. Internally or externally, somewhere, something is not submitted to God. You haven't been crucified today, and thus today, you're miserable. In Matthew chapter 16, if you want to go in your Bibles there, verses 13 through 20, we have this kind of watershed moment in Peter's life. Poor Peter, he's like the example of like 
stumbling in the New Testament. Peter has this watershed moment in his life where he actually does something really good. And he professes Jesus Christ. Remember this? As Lord and Savior. Peter, who do you say I am? You are the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. That's a beautiful profession of faith. And here's what, in verse 17, Jesus answers him. I mean, Peter here is like a spiritual giant. He says this, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, Peter, for the flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. Petra, Peter. It's rock. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Peter, you're a spiritual giant. He looks like this spiritual giant to all these disciples. And they're going, wow, Peter, how'd you know that? And Jesus is saying, nobody told you this. This was revealed to you by God Himself. Peter, great job. Listen, Peter, you're a rock. And on this profession of faith, this is what the church is going to be built on. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now that's verses 13 through 20. And then you get to verse 21 where Jesus begins to tell the disciples that He must die and then that He'll be raised from the dead. Now watch this, verse 21. From that time Jesus began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Now watch verse 22. Here's your spiritual giant. And Peter took him aside, Jesus, mind you, and began to rebuke him. Peter went from professing to rebuking, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. That's right, Peter, destroy the whole plan of God. And look at verse 23, but he turned, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Okay, Peter... You're this rock on which the church shall be built. And now, get behind me, Satan. What's the deal? He says here, you're a hindrance to me, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And isn't that what's happening in Galatians again? That for a moment, Peter, I mean, Peter's a man of faith, who knows the Lord, who trusts the Lord. But once again, he's setting his his eyes on the things of man and not the things of God. So Peter moves from this incredible position of faith and trust in Jesus to questioning Him. And Peter's life in this moment again is not in line with the Gospel. And you and I feel this tension, don't we? Daily. I hope you feel it. You should feel it. Because we battle with this thing called flesh. That old rebellious man or that old rebellious woman wants to raise up its ugly head. We battle. We feel this tension. And Peter and even Paul felt this tension. One day we walk out of church feeling like a spiritual giant. I'm going to conquer the world. I'm going to share my faith with everybody. And we lose it on somebody in the grocery store. Or somebody who cuts us off in traffic. And we, we feel the weight of this tension. We want to serve God. We want to stay in step with the gospel. But often we stumble, don't we? Just like Peter And so it's interesting that in Matthew here, in the next verses, Jesus introduces this concept of taking up the cross, which I believe is essential. This this idea of being crucified with Christ is essential 
if we're going to stay in line with the gospel. What's the remedy for Peter's behavior when he rebukes Jesus? It's to take up his cross. So look with me. Same chapter, verse 24. And Jesus says to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, don't miss this. Let him do what? Deny himself or herself. And take up his cross or her cross and follow me. Now that sounds really harsh. Sounds really harsh. But here's the good part. See, people think that Jesus is just wanting to take their fun away. Friends, that's not it at all. He wants you to have life. And he wants you to have life abundantly. And like a loving father who knows way more than his child... Our Heavenly Father wants the best for us. He knows things we don't know. And so watch what He says in verse 25. For whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever would lose his life for my sake will find it. So is Christ just wanting to be mean and take all your fun away? No. He wants you to have life. And if you want your life now, if you want to go your way, do your thing, live your way... Do it, but you'll be miserable, and in the end, you will not have life. Yes. Or, you can live the, the abundant, good life, and you can trust Jesus step by step, and you can walk in His ways, and in the end, you get life and get it abundantly. That's the choice. Look at Romans 6, 6 and 7. It says this, We know that our old self, this is Paul again, was crucified with Him, Christ, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Now watch this. So that, it's not so that your fun can be taken away. It's so that we would no longer be enslaved by sin. Look at verse 7. It's beautiful. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Why does He want you to live in a way that lines up with the gospel? Because He wants you to be free. He doesn't want sin to be your master anymore. See, sin is not kind. It, it, it burns a lot more than it blesses. It will take you further than you want to go. It will cost you everything. So Christ doesn't want that to happen to you. He came that you might have life. And He knows, believe it or not, what's best for you. It's kind of like Peter was shocked that Jesus knew something He didn't. He rebukes the Lord. And how often do we do that? We think that we know more than the Lord. Well, I know what the Bible says, but surely the Lord just wants me to be happy. He does. He wants you to be happy in Him. And He knows that path to happiness. You don't. So we're arrogant sometimes like Peter. We think we know more. Now, you want to follow the Lord. You want to walk and step with the gospel. You want to live for the glory of God. You want to live in a way that's pleasing to Him. You have to live. There's no other way. You have to live a crucified life. Are you with me? And you say, well, Pastor, I did that at salvation. And I would say to that, yes and amen. When we are saved, it is a, it is a past act. And positionally, we are crucified with Christ. Jesus becomes Lord of our lives. We turn our, our back on sin and we say yes to the Lord. And at that moment of salvation, our life becomes united with Christ. It becomes hidden with Christ. And we are crucified with Christ, past tense. It's an act of the past, but there's an issue because we have this thing called flesh. 
that still rises up. And so positionally, though we've been crucified with Christ, there are days we don't act like we've been crucified with Christ. Are you with me? We, uh, Larry Talby, we were at the halfway house this morning, gave a, a great illustration about marriage. When your marriage, when you, when you first get married and you say your vows, you, you know, immediately you become united with your wife, but you don't always act that way because, you, you know, you, you stand at the altar and you say, hey, my life is for you. And our hearts beat as one. And then like a week later, you find out they're as crazy as you are. Right? Come on, somebody. It's all right if you're sitting next to them. They're shaking their head too about you. They know you're crazy as well. And, and all of a sudden, you don't want to you, you don't want to live out those vows anymore. And, and you want to throw them by the wayside. And you want to do what you want to do. And so it's the same in our relationship with Christ. You know what? On those days when that happens with your spouse, you're still married. And on the days that you, you don't feel like following the will of God, you're still His child. But how many know when you're married and you're walking out of step with your spouse, how many know you feel it? You are not in a happy place. Happy wife? Happy wife. Happy wife right? I heard somebody the other day said, here's $100, get yourself something nice to make you happy for Father's Day. He said, alright, I'll buy my wife something. And all the husbands said, amen, right? You know how to, how to be happy. Listen, we know it. When, when I'm not right with my wife, I feel that pain. I feel the pressure because I'm not walking like my vows say to walk. And I, it's a miserable place to be. When I turn back to that old selfish self to act, try to live the single life, like I do what I want, I don't, you know, and act like I don't have a family, and I just want to do my own thing, I feel that pressure, and you feel that pressure when that happens if you're married. But listen, it's the same way in our relationship with Jesus. There are times when we wake up, and we've been crucified with Christ positionally. We're united with Christ. We're saved, sons and daughters of God. But we just don't feel like acting like His child today, because there's something we really, really want. And when you go that way, just like Peter, listen, you feel it. You feel it. And it is the most miserable, agonizing place to be. And you know why it is? Because what God has for you is better for you, though you don't see it. And the Lord chastises those. He punishes those whom He loves. It's, it's the loving hand of a Father that disciplines. And that's what happens when we get out of step. So, here's the thing. I don't want my life to be out of step with the gospel. Because it's miserable. Day by day, moment by moment. I don't want my thoughts to be out of line with the gospel. I don't want my life to be out of line with the gospel. I don't want my actions to be out of line with the gospel. Because it is a painful, lonely, isolated, agonizing place to be. So what's the solution? It's to die. Don't miss this. Daily. Daily. Being crucified with Christ has already happened if you're saved. But because on this earth you still have this thing called flesh, you have to die daily. You, you got to crucify that old man daily. See, no, not today. Not today. This is about Jesus today. Luke 9, 23. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Look at that. Daily and follow me. This is a daily decision. 
It's not re-getting saved. You get saved one time. But it's a, it's a daily decision to walk in that. Just like when you get married, it's a one-time decision. You say your vows, you keep them for life, but daily you choose to walk in those vows. It's the same with our faith. I love this in 1 Corinthians 15, 31. I'm just going to read the very end part of this. Paul says, he, remember in Galatians, he's already said, I, I've been, past tense, crucified with Christ. But now he says, I die every day. And that sounds like a horrible thing, but and it's not comfortable always, but I'll tell you it's a glorious, it's a wonderful thing. So there are quickly three elements in our lives that must be put to death if we're to walk in step with the gospel. Three things, our will, our sinful desires, and our relationship to the world. All of these are talked about in the book of Galatians. Galatians 2.20 again, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Now Paul here doesn't mean that his personality is gone. When he got saved, he didn't lose his personality, and that's evident in his writings. What he means is that his own goals and objectives, his own desire to live by the law, to make his own way of salvation, those things no longer direct his life. He is totally, 100% submitted to the Lord. And look up at me for a moment. If you want to walk in victory, you have to 100% be committed to the Lord. Your will, your ways have to be committed to the Lord. It can't be come to church on Sunday and live how you want Monday through Saturday. I don't care how gifted you are in ministry. If you, how involved you are in the church, if you are not living by the will of God, and I'm not just talking about actions, I'm talking about is your heart completely submitted to God on a daily basis. I, I love what we sang in that song, Close, that, that bridge. Um, as a matter of fact, Bob, there's any way if we can, if we can sing that bridge again at, at the end. I, I, want us to, I, I want us to focus on that. Because it's, it's, it talks about the heart. I, I don't just want my action. I want my heart daily to be committed to the Lord. So my, my goal is, is that my will dies every day. Number two, my sinful desires are put to death. They're crucified. Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. Watch this with its passions and desires. Not everything in my will is sinful. For instance, if I wanted to go quit ministry and get a secular job, there's nothing wrong with having a secular job except that's not the will of the Lord for me. But there are passions and lust in this preacher just like there are in you that are sinful. Alright? My will's got to be submitted to God, but also my passions and my lusts. If your heart desires something that's not of the Lord... If you don't crucify that, if you don't nip it in the bud, it will cost you. It will cost you. Are you with me? You can't live and walk in the things that you used to walk in. We've got to cut off our sinful desires. And thirdly, in chapter 6, verse 14, Paul says, Be Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me 
and I to the world. Paul says, now the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. What's that mean? It means I've got to die to the world. In other words, the world, worldly people are not dictating my life anymore. They're not my influence. I'm not going to go to my worldly friends and and talk to them about how to manage my money or or, or how to to have a good relationship with my wife or how to be a good pastor or how to be a good father. I'm not going to fill my mind with the corruption of the enemy through, through what I watch or what I listen to because those things influence you. Why? Because the world's been crucified to me and I to the world. I don't long for the world anymore. And, and you know why? This ought to be your story. You know why? why? Why do I not long for the world? Because I've found something infinitely more satisfying. Jesus Christ. That's our theme this year. Treasury Christ together. You know the best remedy against sin? Is to treasure Jesus more. When you realize that, that He's better than illicit sex. When you realize that He is better than drugs. When you realize that He is better than drunkenness. When you realize that He's better than all the money in the world. You don't need it anymore. Because He's infinitely more satisfying. I don't want to be religious. I want to be head over heels in love with Jesus. And that's the final implication of being in step with the gospel. Is that it means not just crucifying yourself, but giving yourself fully to God. Last verse I'll read right here. And Paul writes, And the life I now live, I live in the flesh, in the Son of God, by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. I I walk in faith. I trust Him even when I don't understand. I give myself to the Lord even when it doesn't make sense. You know, listen, there were many years in my life, started about from the time I was 16 years old and stopped yesterday. I'm just joking. Uh, stopped it a, a while back, but, but for many years, there was a time in my life, I, I was saved since I was seven years old, and I was still a son of, uh, of God, uh, one of His children, but I, I was rebellious to the core. And I wanted my own way. And I thought, when I was 16, I thought I knew better than my parents. And when I turned 18, I thought I knew better than God. I thought I knew better than God. How do you think that worked out for me? Several years into my marriage, I thought I knew better than God. And day after day, I didn't crucify the flesh. I boasted in the flesh. I lifted up. Because I thought, I really thought this. Nobody knows me like I know me. And I know God would just want me to be happy. Guess what? Did I get happiness? I got misery. Misery. I was miserable. And so for years I, I couldn't figure out what was wrong. And so I, they gave me medication. I'm just being real with you. I, I, I was given medication several different times in my life. I told you. See, we're all a little bit crazy, right? And, and I, I was given medication, and I was putting no matter. Couldn't mask what was going on inside. 
And I tried to blame, well, it's just this, you know, it's just my marriage, or once I have kids, it'll be different. Oh my gosh, my kids are crazy too. And this didn't happen. No offense. And uh, so, <laughs> don't you love it when you preach about it? It's Father's Day, you have to forgive me. And so here, here's the thing, like, no matter what, I, I couldn't find peace and happiness. Do you know what did for me? The, the only thing that has helped me is to treasure Christ above all things, to give myself fully to the one who gave himself for me. That's it. And my obedience now, so here's walking in line with the gospel. My obedience now does not come from motivation of trying to earn favor with God or earn my way to heaven. Because at the end of your Paul says, if that could happen, then Jesus came for no reason. It nullifies the grace of God. My reason is, don't, I don't think he's going to kick me out of this family. I don't think he's going to forsake me because the Bible says he won't do that. My reason for serving him is because I've been changed by the grace of God. And my life has been changed by the gospel from the inside out. And though I'm not perfect, I want to walk day by day in line with the gospel. Because I want to give myself. I want to die to myself. And I want to give myself to the one who loves me and who's given himself for me. That's the motivation. See, it changes. I still want to obey. But the motivation is completely different than living under the law. Not to earn his favor. Not to get something from him. I just love him. Because he's loved me. See? So today, maybe you're miserable. Maybe you're miserable and you're a Christian. First of all, if you're not a Christian, I invite you to become one today. To become a real follower of Jesus by believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Confessing him as Savior. I'd love to help you through that process. Confessing him as Lord your life. Yielding yourself to Him. I, I encourage you to do that today. If you've never done that, just call upon Him. The Bible says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But I know that I'm talking to many Christians in here. And yet some of you are miserable. Can I submit to you that maybe, maybe, if you're, if you're miserable from the inside out, all of us go through hard circumstances. But I'm telling you, if your joy's been robbed from you, if you don't feel like you have Christian victory, could it be that you're not dying daily? That you would say, oh yeah, I'm a child of God, but I really want, you know, you say things like this, the heart wants what the heart wants. You know what one of the biggest lies that the, what the world is telling you right now, that the world is telling you right now? It's this, the world is screaming this, be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That will not bring you happiness. Do not be true to yourself. Be true to Jesus. Be true to the Word of God. That's what will bring you joy. That's what will bring you victory. Don't follow your heart. The heart is deceitful above all things. For the love of God, do not follow your heart. Crucify yourself. Crucify your flesh, your passions, your lust. Nip them in the butt. Get rid of them. Or you will be one miserable person. Doesn't work. Try it. Anybody else ever try it? Help me. Is it, has it been fun for anybody? Oh, no, it's miserable. Miserable. So that's my, that's what I employ. That's what I leave you with today. I just invite you to stand. I want us to surrender to Him today. 
And I just invite you, and I'm going to pray, I invite you to this altar to rid yourself of anything. Let your joy come back today. Let your peace come back today. Fathers, what do your kids need most from you? They need you to show them how to do things around the house. They, please teach your kids how to shake hands firmly. Our kids need help with that. Our young men need help with that today. Teach them how to shake hands. Teach them to be men. But listen, more than anything else, teach them to be real followers of Jesus. Teach them how to be real followers of Jesus. That's something y'all practice. Shake your hands. Teach them to be real followers of Jesus. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you and we're grateful for who you are and grateful for your grace. The crucified life does not sound fun. It doesn't sound good at first hearing of it. But it is. It's what's best. It's not easy, but it's best. Father, we admit to you today that you know more than us. You know more than us. So we want to submit fully our hearts, our lives, our actions, our jobs, our marriages, our finances. We don't want to go our own way. I know we think it's right often. I think it's right. My way's better than your way. But I'm reminded that your ways are higher than our ways and your thoughts higher than our thoughts. So help us today, Lord. Pierce our hearts with this. If we want to live victoriously, God, help us to die daily. In Jesus' name, amen.